on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. We talk some champ you barbecue and some roster updates for OU football. Then Andrew Schlecht joins us to talk OKC Thunder and the NBA draft. And we give you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's beautiful Monday, June 19th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Acker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of June, all you got to do is visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now recording this late Sunday night, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment and happy father's day, Ted. Did you have a good one, man? I did. Same to you. Um, hung out by the pool, watched some golf, relaxing day. Weather was beautiful. Survived the storms last night. So no complaints here. It was an awesome day. How about you? I, I always hear these dads talk about the one thing they want to do on father's day is like nothing, right? sit on the couch do nothing that is not the father's day experiences i have had up to this point it was i did i did the same thing i do every day i play with my kid and then once he went to sleep for his nap i tried to get as much as possible done right you know so it was i now my wife she did some great stuff great stuff for me there's no doubt about it but it's kind of just a normal day at on Father's Day, I don't want to avoid the whole fathering part. You know, that doesn't make any sense. So I just kind of did what I always do. Very good. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's cool. Yeah, it's typically not all that different, um, but still a great day. No doubt. And happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. I hope you guys had an awesome one. All right. OU football. So we've got Andrew Schleck to talk some Thunder and NBA draft. The NBA draft is this Thursday, but... Let's start with the OU football stuff like we always do. It was Champ U Barbecue this weekend. It has become such a big recruiting weekend for OU, Ted. And we've been in the past. We were not there this year. But kind of what what are some of the things you've heard about how the weekend went with some of these big recruits on campus? Yeah, from what I've heard, it, it went really well. Um, I don't know. 
you know, it's one of those interesting things. The better they recruit, the higher profile guys that they're getting in on, a lot of those are are later commitments uh, for whatever reason. So I, I don't know that they've got, um, you know, anything that's just pressing, like imminent, like commitments that you may hear from right away from from some of the top guys. But it sounds like it went went really well. Um, sounds like Nigel Smith, um, David Stone, Jason Ross, um, all those guys went really well here. Good news. And even Caden Durham, I there's it just this sounds like the overall experience for everyone was really positive. It just kind of following along on Twitter, it looked like they did it right. Yeah. And you, you saw I saw several, you know, several people sent me prospects parents yeah talking about talking on social media about how well put together it was which you know when you're when you're catching people's attention like that that that's always a positive thing i think the i i don't know if frustrating is the right word but i think the fan base sees everything that the program's putting into this event and into this weekend and you just expect commitments to just come rolling in, mm-hmm. right? But it's probably a good time to remind people. Brent Venables has not changed his stance on the whole commitment thing, right? And that is something that he tells these top prospects. Now, does he want these guys to commit? There's no doubt about it. But if you're about to take another official visit, like David Stone is, right? He's going to go to Michigan State. Brent Venables does not want you to commit. He has not changed that stance. So until these guys are 100% sure that Oklahoma is the place for them, they're done going other places. That's just, that's just how he operates. Ted man ain't changing. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I know it's, it's tough when, <laughs> because you're seeing, you know, players commit other places and you're looking at your own commit list and, there's anxiety there. I get it. I understand. Um, I guess all you can really do is trust the process. And from from everything I've heard, it went really well. They feel like they're in a really good spot with with a lot of those top guys. I guess you just never know, though, right? It is, you know, especially in, in the NIL era, you, you never know until the, the ink hits the paper. So um, I think all you can hope for is to – is to really showcase what you've got really well. And like you said, parents are a lot of times maybe the most important uh, aspect of, of recruiting is if the parents are locked in and believe in what you're doing and believe in the message and uh, feel like that's the best play for, place for their child, they're going to be a very heavy influence. And I, I think that's that's the way they've, they've continued to win a lot of people over. Yeah, I, I think – when you when you kind of see the visitor list and see the stuff out there on social media, I, I think the most exciting thing for me is the number of line of scrimmage guys, mm-hmm. right? Especially along the defensive line, uh, offensive line. Like that is e- even a couple of the edge guys that were there that I think, you know, they are, I don't want to call them projects, but they, you know, they're going to take some time to develop physically. But still, having those you know, very highly recruited guys along the line of scrimmage, especially on the defensive side, we've talked about how we still have to we have to continue to 
to get used to that, the fact that Oklahoma's in play for some of these guys, but now it's now it's time to start landing them, right? Especially you think about that SEC schedule that we got last week and what it's going to look like and what that thing's going to look like moving forward. You got to start landing some of these guys. And that's why, you know, hopefully the champion barbecue weekend went as well as kind of what we were told. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's, I, they're, they're in on the right guys. Like if this were, if this were pre NIL era, I, I would be feeling amazing right now, right? Because they're targeting the right guys and the right guys like want to come here. But like now, nowadays that's you all right, you've won half the battle. Can you win the other half? You know, so that can be the frustrating thing. But the the right guys, the line of scrimmage guys, the guys they're targeting, they want to be here, um, which I think is big time. And you know, this class it's got a lot of potential. There's a lot of potential for it to be really, really good, you know, um, especially for like rating, whatever. When you take a five-star quarterback, there's a lot of a lot of good things that come with that ratings-wise like we had last year. And we'll see where Michael Hawkins ends up whenever all the ratings are all said and done. But um, I, I think without having a five-star quarterback, this could still be an incredibly highly rated class if – they hit on some of these targets that they're that they're in on right now, and I, if you talk to the experts, sometimes it's hard. It's maybe different from one one guy to the next, but they lead on a lot of these big name guys out there. So we'll see how it all, you know, kind of unfolds. Yeah, and right now, the twenty twenty four class only six commits, so you you know they're coming in at some point. But like you mentioned, when it's these top prospects. They're going to take all their visits. They're going to hear all the collectives out, right? They're yep. going to they're going to get everyone's sales pitch and what what it looks like. What's the best way to put it? In its totality, if you will, you know, from the football side and then the the financial side. That's just that's the world we're living in now, baby. Yeah, and you don't bite the first uh, first thing that comes along, right? That's why it's it's taken a little bit longer with the with the top guys is because well if you get an nil offer that looks like this from this school why don't we check in on some of our earlier offers that we had and see you know what's going on out there i think we all kind of get the game a little bit but no i everything i've heard is that it was a really good weekend yeah all right we have not talked about Derek leblanc announcing that he's he's entering the transfer portal and the way that he phrased it was due to unforeseen circumstances back home. Remember, he was an early enrollee uh, in January of 2023. And you and I, we got to see him quite a bit in person uh, when we at, went out to the spring practices that we went out to, Ted. Just un unfortunate, right? And hopefully the reason he's going home isn't something super serious. I, I didn't ask. I, I didn't really want to probe on that but I, I know some people are like no schmitty just ran him off and all this I, listen i'm gonna take this kid for his word he's going home because he's got a family situation going on so yeah he was a really highly recruited guy but 
now, hey, just wish him the best, right? Yeah, we'll see what happens with him. You know, I don't, I, I don't know what uh what any of his his prospects are out there in the transfer portal or or what it's looking like for him. I haven't checked up on that, but yeah, I I think I think this is more of an optics hit than it is a roster hit. You know, I think think maybe he he proved to be a bit more of a project than, than maybe they had expected. Listen, um, I'll say it. When I saw him in person, I didn't think he was any good. <laughs> you and I talked about it, and you were like, really? I was like, listen, man, he's he's stiff. He doesn't bend well. He's got no explosion. He didn't run well. I, I And I'm not I, – you and I, we talked about this when he was going to play for Oklahoma. Right. And I, was, I wasn't sugarcoating it at all. I was, I was not – the first impression I had of him, I was, I was very underwhelmed. Yeah, I do think I think you're right. I think people see, hey, high four star Derek LeBlanc leaving Oklahoma when I and I am not a recruiting ranking specialist, but with what I saw, I don't know how he was ranked as highly as he was. I that's right. I'm just gonna put it. I, I'm just being real, man. That's right, and and that's that's exactly how I see it. Um, and I'm not suggesting it's easy to come in as an early enrollee and, and, and stand out and, and to not kind of be overwhelmed with what you're up against. But yeah, I, I think it's more of an optics hit than it is a roster hit. I think the, the transfer portal defensive linemen that we have brought in are in a far better position to play meaningful snaps than Derek, uh, Derek LeBlanc was. Now, um, like I said, optics-wise, everyone in recruiting is going to use that as much as they can against you. Can they get anything out of that? I don't know, but um, you don't want to you don't want to be known as a place where you know highly ranked guys are getting out of town really quickly. But um, as far as roster-wise, it it's it's not going to be a significant hit for Oklahoma. Yeah, I. You're right. You don't want to develop that reputation. Certainly, that's that's not something you're looking for. And you you wonder, hey, does this happen if they load up on if they didn't if they wouldn't have loaded up on as many defensive linemen in the portal as they did? I I don't know. But you're far from home. You have this option now, right? I mean, the guy was the guy was at Oklahoma for a couple of months and said this. This is not the place for me. I want to go home. The circumstances, you know, I, I once again don't know the details about that, but that's that's college football now. These and everyone's these better players, off, right? If he doesn't want to be here, it's better right. off for him to go find somewhere he wants to be. If you're OU, you don't want a player here that doesn't want to be here. You're not going to get the best out of him. Like it's not it's not a good situation for anyone. So. Hopefully this is uh, something that works out for, for all involved. Yeah, but with LeBlanc leaving and Champion Barbecue, it just it just feels like there's pressure. Yeah, on Todd Bates and Miguel Chavis, Brent Venables. Uh, it just feels like there that that creates even more pressure to land some of these big name guys like David Stone, um, like Williams Winery, like that. That is just that's just how it feels to me. No, it does. It feels that way, and that's that's like again, it's back to the optics thing. 
I believe that you wouldn't have gotten any, any like quality reps, quality snaps from LeBlanc until uh, a 25 season. Right. Don't you think, I mean, because there was going to have to be a lot of development there. So, um, Again, roster wise, that that's the thing is, I I don't know overall that you're it's ever going to be uh something that is is going to hurt you. But again, optically for everyone, like for fans, it's like oh my gosh, the pressure's there. Like you got to be able to land uh, an interior defensive lineman and do so now. And like they're still in on some really good players, but <laughs> we need to do better than be in on them, right? I mean that's that's kind of where everyone's heads at. Yeah, and you. You look at the roster, you think about what the two deep is going to look like, especially for the interior. Not a lot of young guys in the mix, right? And you you have to build that foundation on your roster. Yeah, you got to have those veterans that are playing a ton of snaps, but at the same time, you got to be developing some young guys and you know getting them to another level each and every week, like constantly improving, like all that stuff. And I just, I just don't know if you go out there right now and you look and say, dang, that guy looks like he, you know, he's a little raw now, but he's going to be a dude, you know, two years from now. I just, I don't know how many of those guys they have, especially in the interior. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, um, I totally agree. I think they, I think they are, they continue to improve there. I think whenever you look at what they have now compared to when Venable showed up, I think they're in a much better position. Um, but it's still not where they need to be. There's no doubt. Yeah. So people may have heard this on here before. More big humans along the defensive front. Now you want guys that can play football too, right? It's not always yeah. just about the measurables, but that is – that's certainly a, a good place to start. Now, speaking of measurables, Juco defensive tackle commitment. Danny Saili? Yeah. Is that what we're going with? Uh-huh. Hutchinson Community College listed at 6'2", 389 pounds. Now, he posted some of his highlights on Twitter. I may or may have watched them six to seven times each. Moves pretty well for 389. How about what he does to that guy on that back block? I love that. <laughs> Sham! Just like totally. Oh, that's great. We have Listen, a man, I played with Haloti Nada. I played with Pekka. Like, I've, I've lived that movie before, friend. Oh, yeah. Not yeah. fun. But clearly going to have to slim down. And I've heard he's lost already lost 40 pounds. Is I, that true? He in the pictures that he posted, right? And once again, me just sitting there examining pictures. He did not look 390 when he would in the commitment picture that he posted. Do we know if he's a walk-on or a scholarship guy? I I don't even know if he's a if he's a 23 arrival. I is, is he a 23 or is he the next year? Because he's only played one year of junior college, correct? I don't know. I don't either. <laughs> I haven't seen anyone say like, hey, it's this class or that class. 
Your guess right. is as good as mine. Maybe we should have asked. Yeah. I I haven't seen it listed anywhere. I don't know. And probably should get some uh some clarity on that. But it does does seem like there could be a little something there. He he is kind of twitchy for being as Sign big as he me is. Up. Sign me up. And you know, I you have to understand what you're getting here. The, he he's a nose guard, right? He's he's gonna come in. He's gonna he is not gonna be a pass rush specialist. You're not gonna get seventy snaps a game out of him, right? He's he's gonna be rundown guy, short yardage guy, but as twitchy as he looks, and I'm just assuming that he's strong as hell. <laughs> All right, that's going to be a hard guy to move out of there. I, I like it, and I. It's it's life is going to be difficult for it, but I, he almost should be able to opt out of conditioning, in my opinion. <laughs> Just call the people from Baylor, see what Apu Ika did, you yeah. know, when it came to the conditioning portion of things for them. If, yeah, you know. I'm not in a perfect world. In a perfect world, he ends up being like Danny Shelton, who's a guy I played with in Cleveland who's a first-round yep. pick, right? In a perfect world, that's what he ends up being. But if he can be develop into an Apuika style of player, there is there's a place for that type of dude on your on your roster. There's no doubt about it. Is six two too tall to be in your nightmares for uh for three ninety as a nose guard? It, it's a I think that's the sweet spot. I think six two is the perfect height for a defensive tackle. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Maybe so six too. two and a half is the is the cutoff, but you don't want to be six five. You know, well, here's the thing: is like the six two looked questionable in some of the pictures, right? Uh, I mean, are you, you know? saying you saying the height could be fudged a little bit? That's what you're saying. Yeah, but I, you know, if you're a nose guard, you're fudging it in the wrong direction. All right, like if you really want to get someone's attention, he's five eleven. <laughs> he's right. he's a literal fire hydrant. That's right. But no. I like it overall. I think you know, just from the limited amount that I've seen, um, it looks like there there could be some serious promise there. Yeah, I I'm interested. I I watched the highlights. I'm interested. Interested to see how it goes. The important thing with him. Does not now the hand usage, some of those clips. Now, and I know it's a it's a highlight film, so it better be impressive, but there's some violence there. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's that's what it's all about in the trenches, man. And if he can if he can sharpen those tools, get in shape, you know, get right with Schmitty, build that strength. Who knows? Who knows? We'll see. But yep. it was it was intriguing. We've talked about it. with the Polynesian. Defensive tackle pipeline. It, that is that is not a bad route to go. No, it's a good place to be. 100% it's a good place to be. All right, let's get to call your shot. Uh, we asked you guys, what was the most important thing that happened this weekend for OU football? And the majority of responses went along these lines. Ted, this one comes from Tony Paxton, who says, well, a commitment or two would have been nice. Seems like every other school out there is getting multiple commits. And here's OU with back-to-back -back big recruiting weekends and not one commitment. I don't think 
He is alone in his frustration. Ted, what would you like to say to the Sooner fans that are experiencing similar frustrations to our man, Tony? I, I get it. I get Damn it, it, man. You were supposed to make him feel better. Well, I'm with you, dude. The I, only thing that's going to make him feel better is commitments. That's true. Right? That's it. That's it. And I get it. You know, I'm, uh, I, I understand the process. I understand Coach Venables' uh, principles on the matter, and I agree with those principles. Um, just because I'm willing to trust the process does not mean that I am not uneasy about it, okay? I, as the clock is ticking, like, you still got a long time, but it's like you're watching guys getting plucked off the board, right? It really doesn't have to do anything with, how long away uh, signing day is? It has to do with, or is there any going to be anybody left to sign? Like that's the thing. So, um, I, I guess the only thing I can say is stay the course, trust the process. They're they're doing really good up there. You can see it whenever guys go. Everyone loves it. Um, I think it's just a matter of time. Last year it was late. Whenever the dominoes started to fall and think it could probably be the same thing this year. Let's just let's just hope that they do fall. I'm with you. All right, birthday shout-outs. Happy 42nd birthday to Christina Bailey. And happy birthday to Nika? Nietzsche? N-I-C-H-A. This was from an Apple Podcast review. They, they left us a five-star review and just said, tell them happy birthday to N-I-C-H-A. It's Nika. I think I'm going with Nika. Nietzsche. I don't know. That seems to be the only that I think you nailed it, man. I really do. We'll leave it there. We got yeah. both. And of then them in. happy second birthday to my oldest son, Cam. Turn it turn awesome. it two on Tuesday. Let's go. That's cool. That's cool, man. It's going quick, isn't it? Big, big, big day at the Eichert household because I've been holding off. This will be the first time we're starting the little height wall in the house. Getting nice. the pencil out. We're going to take some measurements. Maybe go wingspan as well. We're going to get hands. We're, we're going to might as well do hand size while we're at it. Right? Are you going to uh, are you going to tape a ruler to a box and do a little stretch test? Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Let's go we're going to start the combine measurements. But I've been I've been waiting for his second birthday because people are always like, "How tall is?" I don't know. He's two. I don't know, but. We are, we're going to get the official two-year-old measurement for Cam, so I'm pretty excited about it. But I've awesome. been looking forward to it for like three months. I'm not even going to lie. I'm a psycho. Well, uh, I, we've got one at our house, right? And uh, it's crazy to see the jumps that they make, and it's so random. Like you may hit a little stall for a while, and then next thing you know, you grow an inch in a month. Yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm pretty excited about it. All right, let's talk some – Thunder in NBA draft with our man, Andrew Schleck. But first, Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. Just download the Love's Connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch that price drop 10 cents per gallon. Across the country, the Love's Connect app unlocks exclusive deals and can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the Loves Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Loves 
travel stops. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with an expanded mobile to go zone. And of course, don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java Hamori. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. It is the best place to get your OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. It's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And hey, I'm sure you're hungry out there. Well, then head to the garage for hand-smashed patties, butter-toasted buns, and ice-cold beer. The food is fantastic, and it is the perfect spot to watch any big game. Visit eatatthegarage.com to find a location near you and order online from the garage in your neighborhood. All right, here's our man, Andrew Schleck. It is our pleasure to be joined by a man that covers the Oklahoma City Thunder as well as anyone. You can catch him on the Down to Dunk podcast. You can also catch him on the Athletic NBA show. He is the one, the only Andrew Schlecht. What's going on, man? How we doing? Well, it's draft week, guys. So this is one of my favorite weeks of the year. We get to talk about guys that may or may not matter just in detail. Like we know everything about them, but the truth is we know very little, but it's very exciting. And it's it's smokescreen season for the Thunder. Now, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Be, <laughs> hey, before we talk. Before we talk about the draft and what the Thunder may do in the draft, mm-hmm. just how how different of an experience was it for you this season, right? As opposed to the two seasons seasons previous to that one, because oh, you you were you're doing a podcast about every single game. It just it had to be much more enjoyable, I assume. Yeah, especially when we're in March and April. And we're talking about games that matter leading up to possibly making the play in. That was great. In the years past, it was like, man, we're talking about the draft and it's March. And we're trying to sift through that now. It's like, man, like we, we've got a long way to get there because we're watching meaningless basketball. You like, oh man, Trey Mann had a great end of the season. It didn't mean anything. End of the year basketball with a team that's bad, you can just take it and just throw it all in the dumpster. None of it matters. So it was it was great. It was a breath of fresh air watching this team and knowing that it's their young guys that got them to where they needed to go. It's Shea, it's Giddy, it's Jalen Williams. It's those guys that got them to the play-in. Uh, it was very fun. And not just like some vets that stopped by to kind of help them along. No, was, this is the team. And so when they're ready, the Thunder have shown like they're not trying to hold these guys back when they show that they're ready to do something. And they did that this year. So that was cool. Which makes it interesting, you know, uh, you go back to whenever the Thunder were really in their heyday, in their prime, the draft really wasn't anything that anyone was too concerned about, right? Okay, maybe sure. maybe they had a piece. So it's got to be cool to kind of, you know, as you put a lot of time in preparing for these things and then and then talking about what actually happened, to watch those guys develop over the course of a couple years, and it, I guess it it makes this time of the year a little more, um, you know, you're able to handle it a little bit better, I guess. Yeah, especially a guy like Josh Giddy, who the way he performed against the Pelicans in that game, and he's he's 20 years old. <laughs> he's he's 20 years old and putting up stats 
that are pretty unheard of for a 20 year old, like 16, eight and six at 20 years old and stepping up in a playing game like he did. That's pretty rare. I think I think even Thunder fans underrate him a little bit. I think a lot of people want to talk about Shea. They want to talk about J-Dub because those are players that we've seen before and we know what to do with those kind of players. But when you have this six eight player who's not really a shooter, he's not really a natural scorer, but he can score. But he's just a brilliant passer and a great rebounder and just shows crazy aggression. The fact that there's not a great comp for him, I think people are like, okay, we'll put him to the side until he actually shows us he's an all-star. Everybody else we can think about a little bit easier, but... Because of that, I think he gets a little underrated. Did you expect Shea to make the type of jump he did last season? No. I think it'd be foolish to think that somebody like that. You'd be just a ridiculous homer if you thought, well, clearly this guy's going to be first-team All-NBA, you know, over 30 points per game. That didn't happen to many guys. And for him to consistently just come in and score, being double-teamed every night. Defenses are throwing everything at him, and he just finds a way. He's a, he's a special player, and he wants to get better. When you talk to him about his season, he doesn't talk about, like, man, look at all I accomplished. Look what I did. He's like, man, I, I've got to go get better. Like, i got to get better defensively. I've got to get better with my three-point shot. I mean, there's still room for this guy to grow. Uh he is he's gotten better every single year. If you like go back to his high school career, even he continues to make these jumps that people weren't ready for. He wasn't really supposed to be someone who was going to go start and play for a D1 school. And then he did that. He wasn't supposed to be a lottery pick. He became that. He wasn't supposed to be somebody that could handle the full load as like a point guard on a team. He did that in OKC. He wasn't supposed to be a guy. That could be first team all NBA. Here he is. I mean, it's every single year. The dude just continues to just exceed expectations and it's work ethic. He's weirdly humble for a guy that's doing what he's doing. He's very team oriented. He's, he's just like the dream for Sam Presti and the thunder with just everything that he brings to the table. He's constantly positive, like just, he he's the leader of the team, and they are just so excited <laughs> they got this guy because of all of those reasons. Yeah, and just and thinking about that and this draft, what do you think? Like looking forward, you know, and, and the West is is changing. You know, what if you take a snapshot from maybe three or four years ago compared to what it is now? It's a totally different landscape and. Um, you know, Thunder had, I think, as we talked about, a little bit better than most people expected season. I with this is this draft that important? Like, if they add the right piece or couple of pieces that could end up really being the difference, and this is a team that can, you know, legitimately compete. Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting because there are definitely pieces in in here that can complete the team but I just wonder where the Thunder's head is at. If they're still looking, hey, do we we have the 12th pick or we have the opportunity to trade to nine or we have the opportunity to trade to seven. Let's swing for the fences because if we connect on what could be one of the best players in this draft, we could, we could be right back where we were in 2010. Or you could go for a guy that maybe is just, he fits what we need and maybe he doesn't have the highest ceiling they're going to have the opportunity for both, whether they stay at 12 or they trade up. 
somebody they're going to find somebody that's going to make an impact. I, th- I think there's probably 16 or 17 guys in this draft that could make a pretty big impact on the team. And the Thunder, I, I kind of trust them to make the right decision there. But they, there are also guys in here where they could swing and absolutely whiff because that guy is just not ready to contribute to a team. And that's what's going to be hard with this team moving forward is if you go for a big project, are the minutes there? Because if this guy's not ready to play, where where is he going to earn the minutes? And so I, that, to me, will be really interesting because if they draft Bilal Koulibaly, who played small forward for Metropolitans 92, if they draft him... He's 18 years old, crazy long arms, six foot seven. But is he ready to play in the NBA? Probably not. He's probably going to be on the blue with Usman Jang, and they'll develop him that way and see if he can make it. Maybe he can get on the court just because he has good defensive chops, but he's a project. And so can they take on another project within this, I think is a, is a question. And I know, I know Coach Degnault would want it because Degnault loves development, but I also wonder if like the Shea, Giddy, J-Dub, Trio with Chet plugged in, like are those guys going to love to play with projects moving forward? Because those dudes are going to be ready. They're going to be ready to play next year. And I think that they would absorb somebody that was a project for the next few years, but the clock's ticking on how many projects you can take. And so I'm interested to see if maybe this is like the last time where they're like, okay, we're going to swing for the fences on somebody. So, uh, and I do think the Thunder are in a place where they can take a risk and we'll, we'll see if they feel the same way on Thursday. So if they, if they do move up, right. Who do you think is a guy or two that they would want to move up, you know, use some of those future picks to move up. Who's a guy or two you think that they could target that you think would be a really good fit for the franchise. So if we're just talking pure fit, I think Jarris Walker out of Houston is like a pretty clear fit. He's 6'7", he's 250. He can play the both the four and the five. He could probably play a little bit of three as well just because he moves well enough. Strong as anybody in the draft. Thinks the game really well. Good passer. Is a questionable score and a questionable shooter, which I don't love. It will take some time for him to develop that. He's a willing shooter but he's not very good. Didn't shoot it well from the free throw line. Didn't shoot it well from three, but he's willing to take those shots. And he's somebody that you could easily see fitting next to Chet. And that if you're wanting somebody to kind of spell Chet a little bit, whenever you've got some big bruiser down there, he's somebody that can switch over and guard the big fives and you can let Chet kind of roam a little bit. So he's somebody that I think would be good. Uh, Asar Thompson to play for overtime elite. He he and his brother are twins and obviously great athletes. They kind of fit like your prototypical, what an NBA player looks like. Six, seven, super strong, crazy athletic. Asar is a really good passer. He's a good defender. Also kind of a shaky shot. And so that would be another risk there. Another guy I really like is Anthony Black. Anthony Black would be one where day one, the fit isn't quite there. But this is all about upside and somebody that can come in and play the style of basketball the Thunder play. Six seven point guard that can pass, crazy good defender, super duper smart, just knows how to play the game. And that to me is why I'm kind of drawn to Anthony Black, is that the Thunder are drawn to guys that 
can really just think the game at a high level. That's why they love Josh Giddy. And so I wonder if they would bring him in. He'd be basically coming off the bench as a point guard or a wing. Also struggles to shoot the basketball. So it's not something I think Thunder fans would be super excited about, but it's definitely like a big upside swing uh, for he and a guy like Asar Thompson. You could think like the Andre Iguodala role that Andre played for the Warriors. Like those guys could do that. Both super smart guys that can kind of fill in the gaps. And then Taylor Hendricks is another one who I think Thunder fans are more excited about. He's six nine, crazy long arms, really good shot blocker, and can really shoot the basketball. But doesn't think the game at a high level like an Asar Thompson, like a Jarris Walker, like an Anthony Black. And so that's why I kind of question whether the Thunder would want a guy like that. He's more of a play finisher. Think like a modern Serge Ibaka, basically. He's going to hit corner threes. He's going to hit above the break threes. He can finish at the rim. But once he catches the ball, he's not making a lot of decisions with it. And so I wonder if the Thunder would want that kind of guy because they want to they want to play real rhythmically. They want the ball to flow. They want anybody to grab the ball and push. Like no one's... No one's given a position. No one's given like, here's what your assignment is. Like, no, this is how we play. Here's how we're going to play the game of basketball. It's not you have these three assignments. It's the team has this assignment, and this is how we're going to play. And I think I think Taylor would struggle with that initially. But you park him in the corner, he's going to create space for you. So in the more traditional sense, Taylor Hendricks fits what the Thunder would want to, could, could do but I just wonder if they want to draft that that kind of guy in the lottery. And I, I'm guessing, do you classify that list of guys you just ran through as ready to play guys? Uh, is, for is, the most, yeah, for the most part, all those guys will be ready to play. A lot of them are pretty young. Like Walker, Hendricks, Anthony Black are all still 19. Asar Thompson's 20, so he's a little bit older. But I think they could contribute on this team. Yeah, they, they all... Outside and Hendricks, if you just give him simple roles, he can play right now. But the rest of those guys, yeah, they they would play right away. Like the guys that I think would struggle to play in the NBA right now, like we meant I mentioned him earlier, Bilal Kulabali, I think is somebody that would really struggle to translate to the NBA from day one. Uh, if they wanted to draft like a Keontae George, which I don't think would happen, like I don't think Keontae is quite ready, or Nick Smith Jr. out of Arkansas, like I just don't think he's ready yet either. He's so skinny. And just defensively just doesn't get it. Uh, so those guys probably wouldn't be ready. But for the most part, I mean, the Thunder would play almost all these guys. And they, I mean, they played Usman Jang some and some some he didn't he didn't get to play a lot because of injury. But they're going to give everybody a chance to play next year, even even if they're like a lot better. I think they're still going to find minutes for whoever they take at 12. But there's going to be guys that are less ready than others for sure. Looking at if they stay at 12, I can't believe we've gone this long. You you are a self-proclaimed Buffkin boy. That's right. And you haven't, right. you haven't even mentioned Kobe Buffkin. Hey, some of it, are some, you, I don't want to jinx it. No, I don't want to jinx it. I want the guy to play here. Uh, yeah, Kobe Buffkin would be awesome. I think he's really the only guy. So with, with everybody that I've listed so far, it's like, well, they're really good at this and this and this, but they don't have that or they can't do this, or they can't shoot, or they can't play make, or they can't do this. He's really one of the only guys in the lottery that I think can do it all. He can handle the ball, pretty good passer, tries hard on defense. He can shoot it. 
he finished 70% at the rim for a guard. That's just insane in college basketball. He's a lefty. There's just a lot to like about Kobe Bufkin. He's somebody that would come in. He wouldn't start for the Thunder. He'd come off the bench, but he can play the one. He can play the two. He could probably play some small ball three. The Thunder aren't going to be afraid to throw him out there with a lot of different lineups. And I think he's ready to contribute. He's a sophomore. He's a, a really young sophomore, uh, which I think is good for his development. He's still only 19 years old. So I think he could really help. Though The weird thing about Bufkin through this draft cycle is that he's not working out for anybody. He won't. He's not giving medicals to anybody. His agent and his parents, whoever it is, are trying to get him somewhere. And I don't exactly know where that is. I think, I think they would like for him to land in a place like Washington, where there's going to be a ton of minutes, where he can be the starting point guard for them from day one. And he's going to put up points. And he's going to put up stats. And when you can do that off of a rookie scale deal, cash. The dude's going to make a ton of money, no matter what happens. If he's on a Thunder team where he's coming off the bench and he's scoring 10 points and two boards and one and a half assists, those guys don't make as much money. And so like, there's, there's definitely stuff going on behind the scenes with Bufkin. And there... There's rumors about the Lakers with him. There's rumors that maybe he wants to suppress his value with not working out. So he goes later, but it's it's not really working because people went back and watched him. And they're like, oh, this guy's way better than Keontae George. This guy's way better than Nick Smith. People are figuring that out. And he's going in some places, top 10, certainly in the top 14 in a lot of mock drafts. So I think he's probably not going to make it past the Jazz at 16. And it, if I'm the Thunder, I, I would he's a guy that I would just take because I think he can do a little bit of everything. He could help you from day one. And I look at what Derek White has done for a team like the Celtics. He comes in, he can play a little bit of point guard, he can play off guard, he closes games for you. He can come off the bench, he can start, he can do whatever you need. From, from the guard position. And the Thunder are going to need somebody that just kind of fills those gaps a little bit and can do a little bit more with the basketball than, say, like a Jordan Hawkins. Uh, Jordan Hawkins out of UConn, really great shooter. Probably the best, like, relocation shooter in the draft. The dude is just going to be money. He would be great with the Thunder offensively because the dude just doesn't stop running around screens until he finds an opening and he bends the defense in a way that not a lot of guys can, but defensively doesn't bring it like Bufkin does. Can't really handle, can't really play make. He's, he's basically Isaiah Joe, like maybe super Isaiah Joe, if things really work out, which if you're a Thunder fan, you're like, Oh yeah, great. Yeah. Sign me up for that. That would be great. Having more guys that, like that can do that would be helpful. But if I'm the Thunder, I want something a little bit more. I want somebody that can handle a little bit, that can make a decision. And that's where he just kind of checks all these boxes. And so I wonder if he's available at 12, if if that's not really the best option when it comes to guy that still has upside, but can do a little bit of everything now and you're not going to have to wait as long. All right. We got the, like a lot of the trade talk is, is ramping up, right? Mm-hmm. Can you give us like a kind of an overall picture because it melts the brain to think about it if you're not in it every day. Like mm-hmm. what do the Thunder have 
asset wise, like picks that they could trade package, maybe players, like some of the different things that they could put together if they were to try and move up and capitalize at at this moment. Yeah. So future pick wise, I mean, they have these Clippers and Rockets picks that are going to be the most valuable. So if they're trying to move up in the draft, they have this unprotected Clippers pick for next year. They have this top four protected pick from the Rockets next year too, which I think will be pretty valuable. So if they're willing to put something like that on the table, then I think you could move up pretty good. And then also the Clippers, they own the Clippers unprotected swap in 25 and their unprotected pick in 26. That unprotected pick in 26 is pretty enticing because you you look at the Clippers roster right now and it's a bunch of guys that may or may not be in the league in 2026. So you don't know where they're going to be. So that that pick in particular is probably one of their most valuable. One that's really interesting is that they own a top 10 protected pick to the from the Jazz. And there's there's a lot of circumstances that could lead you to believe that the Jazz would be outside of the top 10 next year in which the Thunder would get that pick. You could call Utah and say, hey, we'll give you 12 and your pick next year to move up to nine, which I think is a little bit of an overpay, especially in this draft where I think there's kind of flat value from maybe eight on to like 14. I think you can find somebody that can play. But if the Thunder finds, if somebody's dropping, say Jairus Walker's dropping for some weird reason, and he ends up at nine, I think you can call and make that trade. I think Utah would almost do it immediately because it's not only top to protected next year. Let's say the, the Jazz get the ninth pick again in next year's draft. Well, it, that moves on. It's top 10 protected in 25 too. And then it's top eight protected in 26. So that pick is going to be the Thunders at some point unless they give it back to them in a deal. So that that's something that I think they could do. Uh, you you also own a couple of these Denver picks that I think are interesting. You also own a top six protected Philadelphia 76ers pick in 25. And the, the 25 draft is supposed to be really good. And so I, they own a ton of picks that could possibly convey then. So I think those are valuable. And then I would also say, look at Dallas. Dallas is most are, is probably the most likely team to move their pick on Thursday, if not before then, because they want to either ease their cap sheet or they want to acquire players that can play now because they have screwed up everything so badly when it comes to putting a team around Luka Doncic that they have run out of options. And so I think that a, a, if the Thunder again, just like with the ninth pick with the Jazz, I think they just call and say, hey, there's a player we really want at 10. We'll take Davis Berton's contract. Just off, just take it off your hands. We'll give you 12 and we'll take 10. I think it's an easy way to move up. It That one is going to be one that has to be okay with ownership. Who cares about Davis Bertans, honestly, for either team? But he makes $17 million for the next two years. And so that's that's one where you got to call Clay and say, hey, would you pay $17 million to move up two spots? The answer might be, heck no. Like, figure it out without doing that. But it's it's something that I think the Mavs would say yes to almost immediately because they get to keep a lottery pick. They get to ease their cap sheet a little bit. And also, it's it's kind of funny. I think Davis can kind of play. I think he would play for the Thunder. I think people would like him. He can really shoot the ball. Um, but there's options for the Thunder. They could they could package like if, if they're willing to package 
a Clippers pick and a Rockets pick and their own pick. They could get somewhere. I don't I don't know player wise who they'd really be willing to give up that anyone would be excited about. You know, like people are throwing Trey Mann into trades all the time. Like no one cares about Trey Mann. Like I'm sorry, no one no one cares about bringing him back in a deal. Like Aaron Wiggins, God bless Aaron Wiggins. I love him. I think he can play. But no no other NBA team is sitting around thinking, man, if we could just get our hands on Aaron Wiggins. You know, like that's that's not happening. Uh Lou Dort is probably the juiciest guy that you could throw into a trade package that could help somebody right now. Like if you called the Mavs and said we would give you Lou Dort for pick 10, they might say yes. And then you get to have 10 and 12. But if I'm the Thunder, there I just there's just no way I would do that. Lou Lou is so valuable to this team. I think that he's proved that over the course of the last few weeks of the season where he was just clearly one of their best five players. And so I'm not sure that there's a guy like, I don't know. What do you guys think? Is there anybody that's kind of on the back half of the roster that you think anybody else would value? I just don't think it's there. And then like, you're not trading Giddy. You're not trading Jalen Williams. They're not trading Shea. You're not trading Chet. So I just, I think it's about future assets. And then you maybe would throw somebody into a deal. But I don't think that any teams are, are calling about a lot of these guys. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Now, looking at this draft, obviously, Wimbanyama's going one to San Antonio. Mm-hmm. What what do you think is going to happen after that? Because there's a lot of, it, it seems like the Brandon Miller camp is getting a little stronger. Uh, people may be cooling a little bit on Scoot Henderson. Like, How do you see those top four or five picks playing out because it seems like that that order isn't as clear as maybe we once thought it was yeah i still think scoot henderson will go to whether that's to the hornets or maybe they trade it to somebody else i still think that there's a bigger talent gap there than people want to admit so i still would think scoot will go to i think he really impressed in workouts that he's done in the past week or so and so that you could you can kind of feel that shifting a little bit. Uh, Brennan Miller will likely go three. And then the draft kind of starts at four with Houston. It's like, what in the world is Houston going to do? Do they think James Harden's coming back? Because if he's coming back to Houston, are you really going to draft Ahmed Thompson and try to develop this big point guard next to James Harden? I think James Harden's coming back to Houston to help develop Ahmed Thompson? Like, no. So, what are we doing there? Are you going to draft somebody that can play with him? Are you going to draft Cam Whitmore, who can go play on the wing, get you buckets? Are you going to draft Jairus Walker, who's just like a defensive specialist right now that can handle a little bit? I don't know what they're going to do. That, to me, is going to be the most interesting pick. If they're just going talent alone, they're going to go Thompson or they're going to go Cam Whitmore. But I don't know, I don't know what the Rockets are thinking. And that, to me, is where the draft kind of starts. This is where I think, in some order... Wimbanyama, Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller. But then who knows? Like Jairus Walker has been talked about from five all the way down to nine. Asar Thompson could fall even to the Thunder at 12 on draft night, and I wouldn't be surprised. And he's being mocked at six to a, in a lot of these mock drafts. So I think a lot of people like the top nine guys, but no one really has any clue what the order is going to be. Like Anthony Black could go as high as five. I'd be surprised if he fell past nine. So there's there's just a lot of variables there. And then who's going to trade their pick? There's a lot of these teams that want to move up, that want to 
acquire more assets. I think the Wizards are an interesting one where I, I think they'll probably stay. But if somebody offers them a ton of future draft capital and a lottery pick, like if the Thunder really wanted to get to eight, we're like, hey, we'll give you 12. We'll give you four future first round picks. Well, they don't have future first round picks. They're trying to rebuild their team. I think that they have to think long and hard about that. Is that an overpay for for the eighth pick? Absolutely. But the Thunder have that kind of stuff to throw around. And so I, I think that it's it's going to be a wild lottery. There's not a there's not a set in stone order after three. And it, and it wouldn't surprise me even if the Blazers traded the pick and somebody's like, I'll just love Amin Thompson. Or like, hey, we believe that guy could be our point guard of the future. You know, we don't like Brandon Miller as much. There's people that have Brandon Miller down on like five on their on their big boards. So we don't know what these NBA teams think. So, yeah, I, I think that the draft order is going to be pretty fascinating to see how it all plays out because I don't think anybody really has a good pulse on that right now. Yeah, you don't have to spend much time on this one, but I just I thought it was interesting, you know, whenever we saw the lottery and San Antonio gets that number one spot and Wimbanyana, obviously, like, if if you follow their fans, which I don't follow, but they happen to show up on social media, it's like, this is this is it. This is going to save the franchise. Is do you see it? Is he that type of player? Yeah, he's about the most sure thing that we've seen in a long time. He's seven five, can handle, crazy defensive prospect. He looks like a creative player on two K where you just took the sliders and you just pushed them all the way up. <laughs> like he doesn't look real. He's gonna he is going to change San Antonio basketball forever they've seen stars there they haven't seen and like tim duncan's awesome but he wasn't like a spectacle like when i was a kid it was like man dad can you please get me tickets to see tim duncan for my birthday i want to see mid-range bank shots dad yes (laughs) dad come on the nickname says it all right (laughs) the post game is insane the post defense dad come on no no one says that but I'll tell you, when that dude is traveling the country playing for the Spurs, people are going to pay to see this guy. They're going to pack out the house in San Antonio to watch this guy play basketball because he's going to grab the ball off the rim. He's going to push. He's going to cross some dude up and just go right to the rim, and everybody's going to look around and be like, what in the world are we watching? Because this is not this is not the sport that I've been watching for the past 20 years. He's that kind of prospect where he could change the game like LeBron did. So yeah, like the all the all the hoopla that's out there is well warranted. And the dude is seven foot five. I mean, it's crazy what he can do. Now, there's always injury concerns with guys that are seven two and taller. You know, that's just the nature of human bodies. But as long as he can stay healthy, yeah, this dude. He's going to be the the Spurs are going to be on national television a lot only because of him. It's going to be it's going to be a real shame when Chet wins Rookie of the Year over him. <laughs> oh my gosh. real shame, See, real Chet, shame, Andrew. Just watch Chet this year, man. He is going to have such a chip on his shoulder about all this Wimby stuff. He he hates it. Like he does not want to hear it, and he's got a chip on his shoulder, and he wants to kill him. Now, can he do that? We'll find out. But if the NBA is smart at all, 
it's Shet versus Wimby on night one on national television. And who in the world is not going to watch that? That's what it should be. I love where his progress at. has been good though, right? Just on yeah. Chet, like he was like some people were hoping there at the very end of the season, like they started showing some of his, you know, shoot around stuff and everything. Like he's he's on schedule, ready to roll. Yeah, playing five on five will I mean, when we asked Sam about him playing in summer league, you know, a month and change ago, I just thought he was gonna be like, No, he's not gonna play. He was like, Well, we'll see. He might play, which means Yes, he's absolutely going to play some minutes in summer league. So yeah, he he looks good. He's playing competitive basketball has been for a little while. The dude has been it's he's been shooting the ball just constantly, just working on his shot. That to me is going to be the biggest deal is like can he come in right away and be like a 37 to 40% three-point shooter? It's possible. And if he does that, it's going to change the way the Thunder play immediately. He was already going to change the way they play defense. But then when you add in a guy that can be a real pick and pop threat, a guy that can play out of the short role as well, man, he's, I, I think people are also like, I talked about Giddy. I think people are, are cautious about talking about Chet, which is fine, but the dude wants to be the best. He wants to be the best player on this team. He wants to be one of the best players in the NBA. Like he's, he's driven that way. So I think he's going to surprise some people next year. I'm with you. Dude, you guys have been killing it over at Down to Dunk, and I, I would assume now this goes into the number one spot over the low post when it comes to best podcasts you've appeared on this year. Hundred percent. This is it. This is Dude, it. That right was here. big time. I was fired up for you when I <laughs> saw your you. name. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, I yeah, I still can't believe that happened. That was so much fun. <laughs> Anyone not familiar, Andrew is on one of the most popular NBA podcasts. And it was I I felt like I felt like I won in a weird way that you were on it, if that makes sense. I was like, yes, let's go. I I feel like I put that out into the universe because we were I was driving home with my family. I think we were coming home from church and I was like, the Thunder were playing really well at the time. I I was talking to her. This was a few days before Zach had asked me to come on. And I said, no, I said, I think Zach Lowe is going to do a thunder segment soon. And I want to be the person on his podcast so badly. Like I hope that it's me. I want it to be me so bad. I'll be so disappointed if he asked somebody else. And then it was just like a couple of days later that he's like, text me. I was like, we did it. (laughs) We've done it. We've arrived, baby. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Andrew you're the man uh, have a ton of fun this week I know draft week is very very busy for you so appreciate the time in and happy Father's Day yeah thanks fellas appreciate it that that man has a ton of NBA draft knowledge in his brain right now my goodness I know I get a little lost in all of the information there's a lot there a lot of picks a lot of uh, stockpiled picks, a lot of uh, a lot of trades, a lot of it's wild, man. Uh, but it's the exact info I need to get caught up. It, I will say this is and I, I feel like a lot of people are getting really excited about the Thunder and I'm one of them. It's the most excited I've been for the draft because it it feels like this team is going to be something for quite a long stretch. And you're like, OK. Could this guy be the difference? Like, could this guy be the guy 
that is the role player that takes us over the top and brings the title back to Oklahoma City. That's where my head's at, Ted. I know, and it's such a weird place to be in considering we still haven't seen our top guy from a year ago's draft, right? Right. So it's almost like you've it's like you've stockpiled that pick or or something. It's a it's an interesting place to be in and you know just whenever he was talking about all the future picks that they have in in like the next three or four drafts, it's like to me it's almost like the better they are and kind of where they are right now, it's like you might as well hang on to those as good as you're going to be like do you need to get rid of those cuz those picks are going to be harder and harder for you to have so i don't i don't know they're in they're in a really good spot all around yeah the the vibes are good vibes, vibes are, good. are good all right let's finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend but first bishop mcginnis catholic high school represents a tradition of educational excellence in oklahoma city grounded in a faith based education students prepare to meet their potential with an individualized academic path that strives for success Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSSAA athletics, where they've won over 100 state championships and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. And attention business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica compares coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Insurica's goal is to help you avoid a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and control your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? U.S. Open. Nothing better than watching the U.S. Open on Father's Day. And as winner, you got to go with Wyndham Clark, right? Able to close it out. Got a little interesting late there. Looked like he was going to cruise comfortably. Missed a uh, missed a putt there to uh, to bogey. I think fourteen, and now all of a sudden it was uh, it was back to within one stroke, but was nails down the stretch. Um, you know that dude is super impressive. Crushes it off the tee. Uh, really good iron play. Just a just a really good weekend all around from him. Yeah, I thought his short game was was impressive and. There are a couple situations where he had the potential to really blow up on a hole, right? Remember he was in a, he was in the thick stuff and couldn't get it out, but was able to get it out the second time only, you know, made bogey there when it could have gotten real dicey what was, I think it was 16 drove it into that bunker, just got out of it and then just nailed a wedge within i don't know is it two feet i mean there were there were some holes where he could he he could have he could have lost that thing but he was able to he was able to salvage some things and then 17 and 18 guy was cool as a cucumber man that was impressive yeah 
Um, good stuff. Um, okay. I don't know. I didn't know because I've got several things here to classify as both winner and loser. It's a U.S. Open edition for winners and losers for me. Ooh, I like that. Uh, Shoffley and Rick Fowler mm. both shoot 62. And I don't feel good about that. Right? How did you feel about that? Because what you had Johnny Miller shot a final round 63 and then what Justin Thomas tied that pretty recently. But when you have two guys go 62, that's never been done. I almost feel like it shouldn't count. (laughs) I, I understand what you're saying. Now, would you feel differently if it would have been like Scheffler and McElroy? I would have felt differently if everyone else was over par. Like a U.S. Open, typically it's like they're trying to get the winner that's right there at shoots even par. Like the courses are supposed to be so incredibly difficult. Okay, so your frustration lies in you think L.A. Country Club is too easy. Yes. Okay, I see. So you're not... You're not mad at Ricky Fowler. Who, no, gosh, I'm Ricky happy Fowler. for Ricky. Fowler. I thought it, I thought it was great to see the position he was in. Now would have been better. I think everyone. Well, maybe not everyone. I'm sure he's got some haters out there, but I think that was one of those guys that found themselves at the top of the leaderboard, and everyone was like, "Hey, I could get behind Rick Fowler for a weekend and and see if he can pull this one off." I was cheering for him. Yeah, I and he too. just on Sunday he just never find it on Sunday, man. It well, was just he was just slight slightly off, didn't hit any of those putts that he hit earlier in the week. It just didn't come together for him. And it's funny, what did he he ended up finishing the top five? If you would have said with how he'd played over the last couple of years, and I know he's been playing better here recently, but if you had said, Hey, Ricky Fowler finishes what top five, top six, whatever he finished in the US Open, everyone would be like, awesome. Yeah. But for him to start start Fifth. Sunday with the lead and then you know play the way that he did made me sad. And I think it made a lot of people sad because I think you're right. I think a lot of people are cheering for him. Yeah. Final, final, he was uh tied fifth. Uh Wyndham Clark, Rory with you know, I Rory, you feel like I'm I'm kind of one of those that is somewhat rooting for him to pull off a, a another major. Uh, he was second, Scheffler third, seven under, Cam Smith six under in fourth, and then you had three guys at five under. Uh, Fleetwood was in that group. Ricky Fowler was in that group. And uh, Fleetwood goes out and shoots 63 in the final round, which is, you know, incredible. But again, to the course, it was – um, I mean, the greens and around the greens were really tough, but – the common complaint was that the fairways were just way too wide for what you typically have in a U.S. Open. Do you think, because I think I saw that they're going to host it again in 2039 or something like that. Do you think that ends up happening? Do you think that, because remember, there there are new golf overlords, or do you see the Department of Justice is looking into that whole thing? Oh, I'm shocked. Yeah, so we'll wow. see. We'll see if it even happens, but Everything about the LA Country Club 
and the lack of atmosphere, it was like the most LA thing ever. I hated it. Yeah. It, there was no there was no buzz except for that damn airplane that was buzzing the course the entire oh my god. I thought it was gonna go crazy, Dad. I saw you comment on that. Did you see someone finally check like the flight path? Did you see the flight path thing? What what was happening? Because if you watched, if you watched the U.S. Open, the final round of the U.S. Open on Sunday, all you heard was airplane noise. That was it. Someone posted like, I guess it's like the flight path tracker for whatever plane that was, and it's just like an endless. It's just circle. a circle. <laughs> what oh, the hell was wow. that? That was wild. You're right, though. It was a, it was a very. Um, it didn't have it didn't have the wild atmosphere feeling of a US Open. There were it not had enough a very people. Country club feeling, right? They they didn't let enough people in. Yeah. This is supposed to be America's golf tournament. It needs to have some juice. They yeah. can't do that. Don't do that again. That sucked. And I even agree. the players said it sucked. Everyone, they were all like, This sucks. This atmosphere sucks. Yep. Yeah, it was it was odd. I think everyone pro or a lot of people probably did you see that what Port Portnoy posted of Fowler hitting that long putt and it's like there's like a group of his friends are the only people there watching. What is happening right now? Yeah. It's right though. Like typically a guy like Ricky Fowler who entered the thing as a, an absolute long shot, you know, it's been a long time since he's he's had any success, does something like that and it's like you know pandemonium out there so yeah it was that's not good not good any other u.s open thoughts before i spring an idea i had on you well i i gotta hear the idea okay so after 13 or so it was 13 i'm pretty sure ricky fowler was five back i want to say so you're five back. You've got what? 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. You got five to play. Yeah. It's very unlikely, right? Especially with the way that he was playing. Okay. So hear me out. Roy McElroy was in the group in front of him. There should be some governing body advisory board who has the authority and, and these are only in select situations. You can't do this all the time, but it would be the entertainment czar of golf, right? And you say, hey, Rory, hold up. You got to wait on this group behind you, right? And you and Wyndham Clark are now in a pairing together for these last five holes. And Ricky Fowler is now playing with Scotty Scheffler. And you guys go ahead, Scotty and Scotty and Ricky, you go ahead. Hey, whatever happens, happens, but we are, we're going to have the two guys that have the best chance of winning the golf tournament for these last five holes. We are going to pair them up and we're going to let them go at it. And they're going to feel the pressure of playing with each other. None of this. He's in the group before, and you're going to wait on it. No, no, no. We are, we are, we are changing it up at the very end. I like it. Flex pairing. Yes. It's just, uh, we could call it entertainment flex entertainment pairings. Yeah. yeah, this 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 tournament is um uh you have to be prepared for flex entertainment pairings. Now you I think 
like you got to have uh, pairings that are linked, right? That are right. connected. And should it happen at the turn? Like that's kind of where it needs to happen. It either happens at the turn or it doesn't. I think it should be able to. This is all about. Whenever. We are we are trying to create entertainment, and I know that golf is a flow and rhythm sport. I understand that, and there is a certain rhythm to playing your eighteen holes and going and just going. But listen, man, this is a TV show, right? I mean, that's what it is. Now, there's a lot of people at the tournament. I get that. But it is an entertainment product. And you know what it would have been much more dramatic? Is Wyndham Clark with the one-shot lead standing over that tee shot on 18 with Rory McIlroy sitting there right there with his arms crossed going, all right, buddy. That's true. I've done it. I've done it plenty of times. Let's see if you can do it. And I, I just think that would create so much more drama, and it would make it much more entertaining for all fans, really, the players may hate it. Who cares? I don't right. care. Yeah, I, I, it's clear that the PGA Tour doesn't care about what their players think. They right. They, so let's make this thing as entertaining as possible. Flex love, entertainment pairings. Now, I, I love that idea. It's good. It, uh, it's what everyone wants to see. Now, I did have an idea today for maybe an alternate golf league where the entire field plays at the exact same time. You could pick any hole you want to start on. And it's like a two hour event. You play like everyone plays at the same time. There's no waiting. You're hitting into people. Cause you've got to get your round done in two hours. Everyone at the same Look, exact time. It, it's a mix of live golf and the hunger games. It sounds like to me. Yeah, live golf, hunger games, a little bit of survivor type yeah. of thing in there too. Yeah. Well, do you form alliances and then just try yeah. to like pepper and kill someone with golf Absolutely. balls? You try and get your whole team together. Guys, let's start on number five. We'll stay together. All right. We'll help each other eyeball where our tee shots go. We'll run in packs. I I don't know if we can create an entire league this way, but I bet you we could make like a charity event with this yeah. as the concept and there'd be some people interested. You may have to wear hard hats or football. Yeah, wear a helmet for, for liability purposes. Wear a helmet, but there's shotgun start. Everyone's got like, I don't know what the exact time is, but it's got to be to where everyone feels like being in good condition is part of it. Could you imagine a whole group of people turn against you? You're trying to putt and they're all like a hundred yards out. Like ready to simul darts coming at the same time. <laughs> simultaneously fire wedges at you. Oh, it'd be good. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think the insurance people would be thrilled about the concept, but Probably it does sound, not. Hey, it does sound entertaining. Well, I do love the flex pairings though. I think that one's probably a little bit more realistic. And because here's the thing, I, in all honesty, if you're tracking ratings and like the final, you know what I'm saying? Like you're trying to keep eyeballs there. That is how you would keep eyeballs on it. Right. And they're all, they're in it for the money, right? We can't forget what this thing is. All of this is actually about. So I, I don't think it's as far fetched as, as maybe some might believe. I, I know the golfers were, will hate it. And I have no idea. 
But they're watching the scoreboard anyways. It's not like someone would be springing something on them quickly, right? No. If you're if as you're closing out the round and you start to see the leaderboard, it's like okay, the switch up's about to happen. And, and you just it's, you know the the concussion doctor, yeah. In the NFL, he's got the red hat on or the blue yeah. hat, whatever color it is. You just someone someone's gonna have something identifiable on. You walk up, he grabs Rory, says, "Come with me." Yeah. It's uh, like you, you, Scotty, you see a little crowd of, of suits start to show up on the side. You know what's about to happen. Exactly. It's like, all right, you have been flexed to the final pair, and <laughs> let's do this. Very cool. I I just want to point out, I've never heard anyone else throw that idea out there. I'm sure someone has before. It was. It's just something that I was thinking of in that moment, because Ricky Fowler, he wasn't playing well in – it's probably something that everyone has thought of. It's like, you know, it would be it. way, It'd be, fun. It'd be way cooler if this was happening like together instead of separated. So, you know, yeah, yeah, probably will never happen, but sure would be yeah. cool. Take credit for it if it does. <laughs> Come on, of course. <laughs> All right, let's get to buy winner and loser. But first. John Vance Auto Group has been serving Oklahomans for 40 years. Family owned and operated, they've got nine full service dealerships in Woodward, Miami, and Guthrie. No matter what your vehicle needs are, John Vance Auto Group has you covered. They carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, Jeep, and Wagoneer. John Vance Auto Group's goal is to give unequaled service and to exceed customers' expectations in every way, which is why they have their lifetime loyalty program. And here's how it works. You buy a new or used car from them. All you have to do is get all of the manufacturer recommended maintenance done at the Vance dealership. And if something goes wrong with the components of your engine, transmission, drive, axle, or transfer unit, they will cover the repair costs. It's a great deal. You can browse their entire inventory or find the John Vance dealership near you at vanceautogroup.com. And First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. Come on, people. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. All right, for my winner of the weekend, thought about going with LSU Baseball. Won their first game there in Omaha at the College World Series. Beat Tennessee 6-3. to three, Beat the conference foe that had to feel good. But the real dominance is what that fan base is doing in the Rocco's Jello Shot competition. My goodness. The, if it wasn't for Wake Forest, Ted, they would have consumed more than the seven other schools combined. But, hey, Wake Forest is representing. They're doing a really good job. That is... It's crazy. It's also like the greatest scam or it's not necessarily a scam, but it's just, it's brilliant marketing to where you pit the fan bases against each other buying jello shots. It's just, it's like the greatest thing ever. And it's got, I, I, it probably play uh, pays for the, uh, the bar for the entire year just off of the uh the jello shots that are going on. Yeah. And the jello shots are five dollars this year, not four fifty. Inflation. God. Yeah. But Both. current tally, LSU eleven thousand nine hundred and forty eight. 
Uh, second place, Wake Forest, 4,744. So, yeah, that is a uh, a dominant performance from, from the Tigers fan base. My, my goodness, which I'm not surprised. That is, that's what I said. They were the heavy betting favorite in the Jello shots uh, yeah. race <laughs> coming, coming I mean, into the tournament. That's $75,000 in Jello shots from from those two fan bases alone and we're just getting this thing kicked off we're just getting started yeah that is it's a lot of jello it's a lot of jello cheap of though sh- jello's cheap man it's true it's true all right i also thought about going with bradley beal i don't know if it's gonna work but now you've got kevin durant devin booker somehow deandre ayton was not in that trade i i i don't know what you're doing washington but hey Bradley Beal's got to look at it and go, hey, I'm I'm on the Suns. This is going to be fun. I've been stuck in purgatory in Washington for forever. So I don't know if it's going to work out well for the Suns. I really hope it doesn't. Honest, honestly, I kind of hope that the whole thing just crashes and burns. I'm not going to lie, but it's going to be interesting. We'll see. Yeah. I you know, it's 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 worked both ways, obviously, but you know, the Frankenstein team where you take a bunch of different big personalities and guys that are already established stars and kind of throw it all together to see if it mixes well. Sometimes the results are good. Other times they're disastrous. Yeah. I would prefer they be disastrous, right? Just cause now the thunder are back in it. Suns are in the West, you know, I'd hope, hope it kind of falls apart. Yeah. Well, I, that that new owner of theirs, my goodness, that dude has done a lot very quickly. No, well, traded for Durant, fired Monty Williams. Now it's traded for Beal. Like that dude is. Oh, he flopped in that playoff game. Also, that was hilarious. That was about good. that. Yeah, that was good. Well, hey, um, have fun with it. I guess you know if you're you're owner of a sports franchise, enjoy it. Yeah, make some moves. Yeah, but my winner of the weekend, Michael Jordan. Selling the majority stake in the Charlotte Hornets to a group where the valuation is approximately $3 billion. Now, he's still going to have a minority stake in the team and reportedly will have some type of presence uh, with the team. But now, if you look at ownership and you view being a successful owner, uh, if you view it as, hey, you got to win games, you got to win playoff series, you got to go to the finals, like all that stuff. If you view it that way, Michael Jordan was a very bad owner. The results, they did not get the results there in Charlotte. They just didn't. 13 seasons, never won a playoff series. Lost a ton of games. Just didn't work the way a lot of people thought it was going to work with him running things. If you view successful successful ownership as... You bought it for $275 million in 2010, and now you are selling it for a $3 billion valuation. Now, I don't know the percentages, in his, but I know this. He made a, <laughs> he made, what's the, what's the proper metric? A buttload of money buying it and selling it, right? And they made him not want a ton of games and had a ton of success on the court, but that man made a lot of cash. Boy, they did. He did. I mean, yeah, it's uh I mean that two hundred and seventy five million is 
I like you're right. I'm not sure what the percentages are, but he, 10x 275. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and he sold he sold some of his stake back in 2020. And so I don't know exactly how that all works. I'm not I'm not a uh I'm not a I'm not a smart guy. Uh, that's just with with the numbers. It's just it's not you're a smart guy with the numbers, you just don't have access to all the I numbers. don't have access to the numbers and I don't I don't really care that much. I know we made a ton of money doing it. Ton of money. They lost a bunch of they lost a bunch of games. People talked a lot about how he wasn't a great owner. They franchise wasn't winning games, but made a ton of money. That's it's a solid win. Yep. Yeah, I, I mean, 2010, it's like it almost uh, – he almost made like what he paid for it every year he owned it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that's not even – that's not even count. Like I don't know how the income part of it works either. It's not – you know, I'm sure he was taking some out, you know, as it was growing as well you know, using it as a bit of a piggy bank, but yeah, there's, that's definitely, Jordan's definitely a winner when it comes to this. I, whenever they're talking about him years from now, no one's going to care about what he was as an owner. They're going to be laughing at the the billions next to his name. Yeah. Good for him. He, he brought me a lot of joy as a child. Good for him. Yep. All right. For my loser of the weekend, thought about going with John Morant. The suspension finally came down. 25 games. He'll be suspended the first 25 games of next season. Going to cost him, from what I read, just a casual $7.6 million. And that doesn't even factor in endorsement money and all that stuff. That was the most expensive IG Live ever, right? I mean, my goodness. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's crazy. I am half am, a second cost him like eight million dollars. Yeah. Now uh, bad it, choices too, you know. But sure, sure. But if the IG live doesn't happen, he he keeps that eight million dollars. I I kind of feel like he, by the way things were sounding, I it, I feel like the twenty five games is almost like he ended up getting off light. Because there was a point there where it was sounding like it was going to be really, really bad. Like I thought, like maybe they were going to give him a full year. Um, you know, whenever you heard Silver kind of talking about, like we came, we've we've come across new information, and it's like, oh boy, what did they? When they start digging, it's like, what are they going to find? So, twenty-five games—that's a huge chunk, and that's going to be that's going to be a tough chunk for. Like, I know money-wise for him, but. That's a big chunk for his team to see where they end up because, you know, it, it could it could factor in whenever you talk about playoff matchups and everything. So it's wild. Yeah. Unfortunate. Now, hopefully, this John Morant will put all this behind him and he'll end up just having an awesome rest of his career. That's my hope because he's incredibly entertaining to watch. But my loser of the weekend – Bob Huggins, man, yikes. Mm. Resigned after he was arrested for DUI this weekend. And according to the reports, the arrest reports, guy didn't know what city he was in, didn't know what state he was in, behind the wheel of a car. Blood alcohol content was 
two one. Wow. Which you are drunk as a skunk at point you know, two one. You're uh, empty starting beer. to get to what three times the legal limit they're approaching, right? Yeah. So empty beer cans in the car. And this is only, I mean, we're not far removed from him making an absolute fool of himself on that radio show in Cincinnati. I know I, I am a firm believer in, hey, you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes, right? Life is about choices, and you have to live with the consequences of the choices that you make, right? And he did some really dumb, dumb stuff, and these are the consequences. But I do hate that this is how he's going out, man. I mean, guy just made the Hall of Fame. He's a legend there in Morgantown. Grew up there, played there. And for him to be like, this is how the book ends for him. Like, this is the last chapter. Mm-hmm. It's it's just a bummer, man. And I know, I know it's the result of him doing some really dumb stuff. I get that, but it's still just when it, when I heard about it when it started coming out on Twitter, it made me sad, man. Yeah, yeah, it's wild, and it's um, it, you get the feeling like we're kind of catching the end of the spiral, right? Yeah. You know, like how long is, how long has some of this behavior been going on? And, you know, I, I don't know, but that's incredibly dangerous. Hey, you, you can't you just flat out. You can't do that. It's a, uh, it's not just a bad look and a bad look for his, um, you know, like reputation and how people view him. He's lucky he didn't kill somebody if he's getting out of a car and he doesn't even know what state he's in, you know? So, um, his tire was all messed up. Like he was tire was yeah. flat and shredded and didn't even, uh, I, yeah. I mean, well, that dude was drunk, drunk. I hope he gets the, the help that he needs. Absolutely. And, you know, I, not his first DUI either. Yeah. I mean, going back to his Cincinnati days, that was one of the things that they pointed to and, reason he got pushed out there so i just he's he's a hall of fame coach that has meant he's it's he's meant a ton to that university and that community he's done a lot of good things when it comes to charity and all that but and this is this is a part of his story now and that's just for for his chapter at west virginia for the last two bullet points to be you know, homophobic slur on radio show and then DUI that led to resignation. Those are not the last two bullet points you want in your career. And I, I, maybe he's not done coaching, but that's what I was about to ask. He's almost 70. Yeah. I I was, I was wondering, it's like, he's resigned. Do you think there's any way that he gets back into the game and try, like goes through some, some obviously, a recovery period here to try and get things in order. Um, does he feel like he's got to bounce back somewhere maybe to, to save his reputation or is this really it? Yeah. I, I don't know, but West Virginia is a solid job, right? In the big 12 conference, there's gonna be a lot of coaches that are interested, but Ren Baker, the new athletic director there, shout out Oklahoma guy, but he is a very tough spot to go find a coach, even though it is an appealing job. Mm-hmm. to go find a coach in the middle of June. I just, and I, 
Bob Huggins and their collective, they just got very organized and signed a hell of a transfer class. And now with what the rules are like, those guys don't have to stick around. They can, they're free. So they're free to leave if they want to leave. So I, it could be a, it could be a bad week uh, for West Virginia basketball. And I think it's about to get even worse here over these next couple of days. Part of that is, it makes your 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 job search not easier, but I you can sell the team that you got right now, you know, a little bit. And I don't know, be fascinating to see what they what they do and if those guys stick around. Yeah. On a rather, I don't know that that wasn't fun. What on a rather? Should we end on winners next time? Yeah, maybe, maybe that wasn't that, that didn't, that wasn't a fun ending to the podcast, (laughs) but here we are episode three twenty eight in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop on Wednesday. Just a reminder, you near Teddy from three to six on 94, seven, the ref, you near me on Sirius X and big 12 radio channel three seventy five. Hope you all have an awesome week. And until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do. Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more